just uh, turn our hearts to the Lord and uh, pray. Oh, Barb Shores is here too. Hello, Barb. Welcome back from sunny Arizona. Lord, thank you so much uh, for your goodness, Lord. And Lord, thank you for this house of worship. Thank you for this house of prayer. Thank you, Lord, that your desire is to meet with us, Lord, that we would seek you. And Lord, not in futility, but Lord, that we would seek you and find you. Lord, thank you that your desire is that we would call upon you and that you would answer. Lord, I thank you that you are the God of heaven. You are our salvation, our rock, our redeemer, our strength. You are everything to us, Lord. And I just pray as we sing these songs of praise and worship, Lord, open the eyes of our understanding that we could see the glory of God. Help us to see with faith and expectation, Lord, the joy that you have prepared for your people. Lord, we love you. Lord, we cast our cares upon you, our burdens upon you, knowing that there is nothing impossible for you. Lord, there is nothing too difficult for you. And so, Lord, as we sing, may we sing with faith and expectation in Jesus' name. Let's worship the Lord, church. jump into the river of God this morning. Instead of going ankle deep or waist deep, we want to go the whole way. And the capability to do that is all of us in unity. When we sing in unity before the Lord, the power of God will visit in a tremendously powerful way. And there is nothing that's impossible for Him. Nothing. Whatever need is represented here today, he has the answer. He is the one with all the answers. Sweet. 
Jesus, give the Lord a hand of praise this morning. Lord, we worship you. We glorify your holy name. You alone, Lord God, are worthy. Blessed be the holy name of Jesus. God, we need you so very much. God, we need you so badly. Oh, Jesus.
come today and stand before you. I say, Lord, here I am. I've come to meet with you. Lord God. Lord, I'm amazed by your grace. I'm amazed by your glory. I'm amazed by your love. stand in the presence of the one who gave his life not only for me but for everyone bless his holy name sense the presence of the living God reach out and touch him he is here today and he's come fellowship with us. He said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will be with you to the end of the age. Even in the very moments, the darkest of times when you don't think he's there. I know he's there. Because I remember when I used to walk before I knew him. And I look back at my life and I can see where he was there. Where he moved upon me, even though I didn't even know he was. He will never leave you.
the greatest love of all is mine since you laid down your life the greatest
worship his majesty until Jesus be all glory, power, and praise. We worship you, Lord. You are a great and a mighty king. Lord, you are a great and a mighty king. Lord, I just thank you, Lord, so much, Lord, just for the anticipation, Lord, that the King of kings and the Lord of lords is coming again. Lord, I thank you that all authority, all power in heaven and earth has been given unto you. Lord, I thank you so much that you have called us as your children and you have commissioned us, Lord, to be your ambassadors. Lord, may we represent the King of kings and the Lord of lords. May we represent you well. May we represent you with faith, with confidence, Lord, with purity and holiness, with zeal and fervency. Lord, help us to serve, Lord, with eyes of faith, Lord, as you are coming back for your children in Jesus' name. And all of God's children said, amen. Amen. You may be worshiped. You may be seated. And if you want to give the Lord a hand clap of praise, you can do so as well. 
bless you. Welcome to Neighborhood Church. We just have a few announcements to bring to your attention here this morning. I believe we have a happy birthday for Katie Grant. Happy birthday, Katie. It's always good to see you. And if I could get some help from some guys over here, we'll bring the pulpit over here. It would be great. And uh, I think that's the main announcement. We are having services still on Wednesday nights at 6 p.m. for those who are able to make it. We've been having a good turnout on Wednesdays, and I just uh, would love to see you out for Bible study if you're able to make it. We have prayer group on Tuesdays and Thursdays at 10 a.m. I, I do want to say that prayer group is not just for the ladies of our church. If there's any guys that would like to come as well, you're welcome to come because the Lord knows we could always use more prayer and more answers to prayer. Amen? You got it, Orville. Thank you so much, guys. Also, we have a, a memorial service coming up here on Friday, October, 8, uh, t October 28th. If you hadn't heard already, Leah Kemplin uh, went home to be with the Lord here uh, this past week. And so we're going to have a service for her on Friday at 11 a.m. I'm not sure if they're doing, they are doing a reception following. So uh, if you're able to be here, uh, I would just encourage you, if you're able to, it's always encouraging to the family to see people uh, come uh, that were just a part of that person's life. Amen? And so 11 a.m., if you're able to come, uh, would be great to see you. Praise God. Hallelujah. Is anybody alive here in the house of the Lord? Good to see you, Will. God is good. God is so good. We're going to be in Psalms chapter, Psalm chapter 27 here this morning. <clears throat> Good to see you, Sandy. Good to see you, Jerry and Paula. Psalm chapter 27. Last week I was speaking about the topic of prayer and the church coming together to pray some more, and I felt led uh, to teach on Psalm 27 as an example, a pattern for prayer um, as an individual but also collectively, would anybody be willing to, to show with a hand or whatever, does anybody ever feel a loss for how to really pray much, besides, like, Lord, bless the food, give me a good night's rest? Amen. This is going to be mostly a scripture this morning. I'm not going to give, oh, I'll, I'll give comments on what I feel like the Lord is saying through the scripture, but Psalm 27 is one of my bedrock scriptures, especially when we get to Psalms 27, verse 4. But King David penned, he wrote the Psalms, many of the Psalms, not all of them, but Psalm 27 is a great example. It gives us a great pattern that if you're looking, uh, oh Lord, how do I pray? Some people may feel like that's a strange question. Well, what do you mean how to pray? I just pray. And there is an element of truth to that. But yet there is also a different dynamic that when we pray, a recognition that we are walking in the footsteps of people who have gone on before us for thousands of years in their walk with the Lord. And God used and anointed King David to write these scriptures down. And God's word is living, powerful, full of dynamite. It gives us an example, a pattern to follow. God doesn't want us just hoping to learn how to pray, so to say, and hoping that we receive answers. When I, re when I read Psalm 27, and I pray Psalm 27 from my own heart back to the Lord, uh, there is a dynamic of faith and expectation and confidence to know that, Lord, you are a God who answers prayer. Uh, we live in dark times, but you know what? In spite of the darkness, God is our light. I love verse 1 here, how David opens up uh, Psalm 
27, verse 1 especially, it's a declaration of faith. It says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? David opens up this with that declaration of faith, and I want to bring out two or three points here in verse 1. Number one, the Lord is my light. It doesn't simply say that he is light, although God is light, but God wants you to affirm that if you're a child of God, if you're born again and you've asked Jesus into your heart, you're following him the best you know how, you're walking in his word, God wants you to affirm Lord, you are my light. You're not just a light out there. You are my light. Now, in the Bible, light is representative of knowledge, wisdom, vision, clarity, purpose. It brings a clarity of life that when the lights are turned on, you don't stumble around in the darkness. And so it's a recognition that, Lord, this world is in darkness, but God, you are my light. You give me knowledge. You give me wisdom. You give me understanding. In another psalm, David said, uh, the, the, uh, I, uh, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you, and that your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my pathway. Another verse in Psalms 119, it says that the Lord, the entrance of God's word, it brings light. It gives understanding to the simple. This world is trying to obscure and darken and make things very confusing. God doesn't want things confusing. He doesn't want things dark. No, God is my light. He is my salvation. Now, when he's saying that the Lord is my salvation, we need to recognize, well, God, what have you saved me from? I want to ask for a brief testimony. What has God saved you from? You may not be used to it on a Sunday morning to have the preacher ask you to share something, but uh, just one or two words even, a short sentence. What has God saved you from? Eric. Myself. And so when Eric says, the Lord is my light and my salvation, God, you saved me from myself. Somebody else. What has God saved you from, rescued you from? Ken. The Lord is my light and my salvation. He has saved Ken from drugs and alcohol. Somebody else. Yeah, Susan. The Lord is my salvation. He has saved Susan from hopelessness. Hallelujah. You realize people pay good money to try to get rid of hopelessness? They pay all sorts of money for drugs or alcohol or they go gambling or whatever. They just throw themselves. Why? Because they have no hope when God saves you from hopelessness. Hallelujah! Listen, all of us, we have battles that we're going through in here, struggles that we go through in here, but we need to remember and recall what God has done. What has he saved you from? Somebody else. What has he saved you from? Orville. He saved you and he brought forgiveness into you. Taught you how to forgive? No matter what, you can forgive any. I heard an astounding, I need to pray right now. I have a friend who's on hospice and she's possibly super close to seeing Jesus. Lord, I pray for my friend Marge. Oh God, I just ask that you would touch her. Lord, I pray that you would embrace her. Lord, when you're ready to receive her spirit, God, I pray that you would just usher her into the mighty presence of God. I pray for her husband, Charles, Lord. He's been with her day after day, Lord, and I just pray, give Charles strength and encouragement in Jesus' name. I was talking to my friend Charles, and his wife had a child who was murdered. 
years and years ago. It doesn't make it any easier, but here's what's astonishing. Orville brought up the Lord, you, you're my salvation. You've taught me how to forgive. And Charles shared with me how God put such a love in Marge's heart, even strong enough to literally forgive the one who murdered her child. And it was a legit, like, she even, the guy ended up getting out of prison like 13 years later. And when she saw him again, she literally wrapped, embraced him and wrapped through her arms around him. Not in a weird, sappy, no, it was a biblical, I forgive you. And you know what? That guy gave his heart to Christ. Now, what would you rather have? The murderer rot in jail forever and ever than rot in hell for all eternity? Or would you rather have a murderer who, yes, he's accountable for his sin, but you know what? If he genuinely repents and comes to the end of himself, and here he is now saved, and here God took the bitterness out of Marge's heart, can you imagine the struggle a mother would have to forgive the one who took the life of her child? The Lord is my light, and he is my salvation. Somebody else, what has God saved you from? Terry, what's God saved you from? I don't give us a few drugs and alcohol suicidal ideology somebody else what has God saved you from self-sabotage that's huge God you're my light and you're my salvation these are awesome somebody else what has God saved you from hmm Satan Absolutely. Do you realize he is a thief who comes to steal, kill, and destroy? He walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. When you declare with an affirmation of faith that, God, you are my salvation, you save me from Satan himself who wants to steal, kill, and destroy my life. Lord, you're my light, and you are my salvation. One last one, two last ones. Gary? And then Joe. Gave me eternal life and saved my life from hell. Jody? Huh? Yeah. Death. Woo! Have you been to a cemetery lately? Do you remember how final death is in this world? Do you realize what a gift it is that Jesus has given us the gift of eternal life? that, Lord, when I leave this world, if I am in Christ, that to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. And when that trumpet sounds, Lord, that the dead in Christ will rise first, which means that we're going to be reunited with a resurrected body just like the body Christ had that will never get perished. It will never perish. It will not get old. No more doctors. No more medications. No more pharma trips to the pharmacy. Hallelujah! I can go into all sorts of things. That, you know, no more catheters? Hallelujah! <laughs> no more invasive procedures? Oh, church. I'm, I'm just like you. I, I go through my week. I go through my day. I, I have the weights and burdens of life, but sometimes I feel like that we don't meditate and think upon and feast upon the hope and the promises of what God has for us, that he is our light and our salvation. He saved us from drugs and alcohol. He saved me from myself, from suicidal ideologies. He saved me from sin and death and hell itself. He has saved me from Satan. He has rescued me. Lord, you are my mighty deliverer in Jesus' name. Now, he goes on the next verse to bring out the realities that we do face. Hold on here. He says in verse 2, When the wicked came against me, 
to eat up my flesh. When I read these when I was a teenager, I thought, what? That's gross. The wicked come against me to eat up my flesh. My enemies and my foes, they stumbled and fell. I need some water. I'm sorry. I'm getting too excited up here. <clears throat> There's wicked people in this world, church. I was talking to somebody else yesterday doing a dump run, young man, and they said this, the nice thing about the past couple of years is that there have been, oh, thank you so much, past couple, of, before a couple of years ago, there was an illusion in this world that, you know what, that people wanted the truth, the world and even the secular society was after the truth, you know, science, you know, just got to believe and trust the science. I'm like the same scientists who tell me now that a man can be a woman and a woman can be a man. I, I feel sorry for atheists whose faith is in science alone because now science is trying to tell them that, no, you don't know what a man or a woman is. That's nuts. Sorry for that tangent. <clears throat> we live in a generation that is able to tear down and destroy everything quickly. That's all they want to do. They want to tear down our nation. They want to tear down monuments. They want to tear the Constitution away. They want to tear down the church. They want to tear everything down, but they're not building anything. There are wicked people in this world who literally want to destroy <coughs> the people of God. But what did David say? He said that when they came <coughs> to eat up my flesh they stumbled and fell. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart will not fear. Though war may rise against me, in this I will be confident. Hear what David is saying as he's talking about the realities that, that we have enemies who want to devour us. There are people who will come into your life who mean you no good. They're just going to cause trouble in your life. But if your faith is in the Lord, God will be your victory. <clears throat> I am so sorry for my voice here. I just threw my voice. <laughs> and here it's an affirmation of faith that, God, you are so much my light. You are so much my salvation that even if an army were to encamp against me and even if war would rise against me, church, are we facing the threats of war? Yes. Way bigger than they were pre-World War II. The things that are going on right now in this country and around this world, we are facing war, sadly. I pray it doesn't happen for generations to come. But it is such a tinderbox right now that just one foolish choice could send this world into a massive World War III, such that we've never seen before. We need scriptures like these, <clears throat> that David had something in his heart, and what was it? He had a relationship with God Almighty. It wasn't just that, Lord, you're light and you are salvation for other people. No, God, you're my light. You are my salvation. You've rescued me from me. Even if an army surrounds me and war rises up against me, in this I will be confident. Verse 4, 
one thing I have desired of the Lord, this is what I will seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. What do you desire of the Lord this morning? David, the king, he didn't desire a kingdom for himself. He didn't desire wealth and riches for himself. David had a singular purpose in his heart. And here, with a declaration of a faith, he's like, even if war rises against me, I'll be confident in this, that my heart has been seeking after the face of God. One thing I desire, and this is what I will seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire of his temple. The word inquire there, I looked it up in a Hebrew dictionary, and one of the definitions means to seek after with delight. It, I used to think inquire simply meant to pray after the Lord, to pray, to inquire. No, it means to search and to seek after with delight. A few weeks ago, a few months ago, I was a little bit too hard on myself. <clears throat> and I mentioned about church and the importance of church and Wednesday nights and just any time that the people of God gather together. And here's how I was too hard on myself. When I got saved... This is just my personal experience, but when Jesus saved me and rescued me from me, you couldn't keep me out of the house of God. It didn't matter what was happening. It didn't matter what the topic of teaching was. It didn't matter who the preacher was. I wanted to go to the house of God. I was a teenager when I gave my heart to the Lord. My mom and dad, their rule was when you're living under our roof, you go to church on Sunday morning. So me and my brothers got drugged to church. Our former pastor, Pastor Bob, who's in heaven now, he says, yep, I was drugged. <laughs> I was drugged to church, you know. <clears throat> so I was drugged to church on Sunday mornings. But when I gave my heart to Christ, not of my parents asking me, I asked my dad, Dad, could we go Sunday night? And then after Sunday night, it was, Dad, can we go Wednesday night? And as a teenager, you couldn't keep me out of the house of the Lord. And I go back to the scripture. No one read to me the scripture, but I can relate a little bit to King David because there's one thing I desire in my life, and that is to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Why? Because in God's house, we have continually reminders of his goodness, continual reminders of his salvation. In God's house, our faith is strengthened. In God's house, that is the place that we seek after the face of God Almighty. In God's house, that is the place of his presence. In God's house, that is a place of refreshing and renewal. That is the place that we come to the throne of grace and find him. I don't find him in Walmart very often. <coughs> I don't find him on the football field very often. I see his beauty. I will tell you, when I step outside and I see the stars of the sky, I am amazed and astonished. And yes, I do stand in awe of the presence of God Almighty to consider, oh God, who am I that you are even mindful of me when I see how awesome the galaxies are? It is amazing. But church, King David, when he penned the scripture that in spite of all of his enemies, and even though the threat of war was continually surrounding him, he said, in this thing, I will be confident. 
There's one thing I desire, that I would dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Why? Because he said then he would behold the beauty of the Lord. Church, we have lost the wonder of beholding the beauty of the Lord. <clears throat> I loved hearing your stories, some of your stories. What did God save you from? What did God rescue you from? Why? Because now when I see your face, and now when we worship, you, I come back to, what did you say the Lord saved you from? From yourself. As I think of the testimonies of what God has saved, and I see the beauty of the Lord, Lord, you saved these people. You rescued these people. You delivered these people. Lord, we have a common bond. Why? Because God is our salvation. When kids go to school, they're stuck there. They have to go there because they have to what? Go to school. What other organization on planet Earth can gather together, old and young alike, doesn't matter what nationality, doesn't matter what income status, doesn't matter what you do for a living, what other place on planet Earth has what the Church of Jesus Christ has? We have a common bond, and what is that common bond? Is God has saved us from our sin. We have a common bond. Does that mean that we're perfect? No, but we're walking together on this journey of life and we're going after Jesus. Yeah. <clears throat> I'll say something again. I, I hate to use this disclaimer. I'm trying to learn to not use the same cliches over and over again. I want to express to the guys from the mission and the ladies from the friendship house we love you. And I was thinking and praying this week, I was praying for you at different times, and I was realizing that, you know what, from my perspective, as much as the Lord allowed me, I feel like I've done my best to be loving, to be encouraging, but the Lord has been just dropping faith in my heart to say, you know what, you guys are a much part of this church as anyone else is a part of this church and I pray that you feel that way or will feel that way even more as my heart has been aching to see ministry grow and church grow the Lord dropped in my heart that you know what there is ministry and tremendous potential in each and every one of you that has yet to be tapped Amen. I see hunger I see fervency I see desire, perfection, no, but there's not perfection anywhere in here. But I see hunger, and I see fervency, and a desire to say, Lord, I just want you. I was thinking about the Salvation Army. There's a, it's nothing what it was from the founder. But the Salvation Army, when it was founded, the guy that founded it, he had an unusual gifting, not only to put people to work, but to see them thrust into ministry. And what was dropped into my heart is that perhaps there's some, maybe many of you, that have felt like over the weeks, months, and years, like, you know what, Miss Paula and Miss Dina and Gary, you know, I could never aspire to be what they are. And God wants you to know whatever calling God has on your life, that the same grace that God has given to Gary and Paula, he will give you that grace and so much more. Lord, could you ever use me in ministry? And I will say, you know what? If God's calling is there, absolutely. That's the only requirement. If God's calling is there, it doesn't matter the past, Eric. 
that if God's calling is there and if you're serving Jesus and you reach out to him for grace, he is not only Gary and Paula's light and salvation, he is now Eric's light and salvation. That, Lord, the same grace that you poured out upon him and still pour it upon him, Lord, you're going to give me grace in Jesus' name. And so I want to let you know, my prayers are shifting And church, I want your prayers to shift as well. Why? Because there is amazing potential here. I don't think anybody here looks at the Friendship House or Mission people as like, oh, I'm just glad they're here. I hope they receive some help. If that is, I pray that you repent in Jesus' name. But when you see these folks and you see each other, I pray that you see potential, that you see a treasure, that you see a gold mine of ministry, that you say, oh, Jesus, Satan was trying to ravage their life, but Lord, when they're rescued, oh, Lord, when they get a hold of you and you get a hold of them, watch out in Jesus' name, because Lord, you want to do amazing things through their life. One thing I desire of the Lord, and that I will seek after. I'm going to do another commercial here really quick. My heart is aching, church, for the church. My heart is aching for the church, and here's what I want you to do before we leave, and we're not wrapping up yet. I'm not nearly done yet, so get comfortable. <laughs> we have a Wednesday night service. We have a, we have a fair amount of people who come. If that's not a good night for you, my heart's aching for this. We need to be together more somehow. Minimum two times a week. Minimum. And I will say we'll have two to five people of regular attenders who come on a Wednesday night. If that's not a good night, would you please let me know what a good time is for you, and I will do anything I can to accommodate the family of God to say, we just need to be together. If it's lunchtime, so be it. If it's a Thursday night, so be it. If it's a Monday, I don't care. We need to be together more, church. Why? Iron sharpens iron. Hebrews says, do not forsake the assembling of ourselves together and so much more as we see the day approaching. How can we encourage each other if we're not together? I know that we had all the COVID stuff and you know what? Oh God, I don't want to go down those roads anymore. But we've learned a lot of lessons about that, haven't we? We need to be together. And so please, after service, I'm going to invite you at the closing. Would you please consider, pray, give me a call, text me. I don't care. We need to be together, church. And if an afternoon's better, a different night of the week is better, we're, we got to do it. We need to be together to encourage one another. Why? Not just to encourage one another, but to see ministry developed and to see other people begin to grow in ministry. Why? Because there's a harvest to reach. What's your name? Yes. Brooke? God has good plans for you, Brooke. Do you know anybody who needs Jesus? One or two? Possibly? Do you know anybody who needs Jesus? Possibly. Amen. The Lord loves you, Brooke, and I'm so glad that you're here. I pray, I'm not trying to put you on the spot, but I pray that you know and you feel that God loves you, Brooke. You're not out of place. That God loves you and he has a plan and a purpose for your life. 
and I don't want people to be churchy. We want people to find salvation, to find hope in Jesus Christ. We want them to find new life. This world has nothing to offer us, Brooke, but Jesus offers us everything. So getting together, church, not just to fill time. Why? I want to behold the beauty of the Lord. I want to inquire in his temple. I want to search after him with delight. I want to find and learn new things about the Lord, not to fill my head with knowledge. No, I want to learn and find and discover new things about the Lord that would cause my faith in him to grow in Jesus' name. Amen? For in the time of trouble... He will hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle, he will hide me. He will set me high upon a rock. In spite of the trouble, David shifts back into that declaration of faith that even when I'm in trouble, God's going to hide me in his pavilion, his tabernacle. He will hide me and set me high upon a rock. And now, verse 6, my head will be lifted up above my enemies all around me. What does that mean about your head being lifted above your enemies? I believe partly it speaks about God giving you favor. That in spite of the enemies who surround you, that God lifts up your head and gives you favor to do what he's called you to do. Therefore, verse 6, I will offer sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. Hallelujah. I'm going to throw my voice again. I just got my voice back. <laughs> Jesus. There's an old song we used to sing like 20, 30 years ago. Old songs come back sometimes. We bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. We bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. And we offer up to you the sacrifices of thanksgiving. And we offer up to you the sacrifices of joy. I was talking with somebody yesterday on the phone, and if she's watching, she'll know. Going through a struggle, and I asked, how you doing? She's like, well, I'll tell you what, I'm doing good by faith, but my body doesn't always feel so good. Yeah. And she talked about how she makes herself get out and do things. And she says, you know what, I'm doing good, but my body's not always feeling so good. But I'm doing good. Church, give God a sacrifice of joy, a sacrifice of praise. I love nothing more. I'm, I am amazed and shocked sometimes that when my kids like spontaneously tell me thank you and there's not a hidden motive behind it because they're trying to get a privilege and, you know, before bed. <laughs> God loves it when we spontaneously just say, thank you, Lord. God, you're my salvation. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I offer you a sacrifice of praise, a sacrifice of joy. Lord, I know that we're going through difficulty. Perhaps you are, but Lord, I praise you. I had another friend who's gone through surgery earlier this past week, and oh God, we just praise you. God, we give you glory. Lord, when the world has no reasons for us to praise you, Lord, we will praise you. We will thank you. I want to wrap it up this way, church. The last thought for this morning is, you know what? I feel like at times we've lost sight of the king. I want you to close your eyes for a brief moment here. 
David has a friend. We haven't gone through the whole psalm here, I realize, but David has a friend that, Lord, you are my light and you are my salvation. If you would just close your eyes for a moment here, and I just want you to picture that the trumpet sounding and King Jesus coming back. When he left this world 2,000 years ago, he ascended to heaven and some angels said to the disciples, why are you, why are you looking up into the sky? This same Jesus is going to come back in the very same manner. And I want you to picture the king, the great I am, that he is returning and that you have ample reason to praise him. You have ample reason to rejoice. You have ample reason to seek after him. You have ample reason to declare that, Lord, I love you. You are my king. Lord, I pray that you would open our eyes to see the glory of who you are. Lord, we've only gone through a portion of this psalm, Lord. And Lord, the reason why is I want us to learn to pray, to seek after you, that just as David wrote this down, Lord, there are so many declarations of faith and prayer and hope that, Lord, even in the midst of being surrounded with enemies, that even if war were to rise against us, Lord, in this we will be confident. One thing I desire, Lord, that I would dwell in your house all the days of my life. Lord, I thank you for my friends sitting before me right now. Lord, I thank you that we share a common salvation. Lord, I thank you that no matter where we've come from, Jesus, you had to rescue each and every one of us from sin, from death, and from hell itself. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that we share that common bond that you are our light our knowledge, our wisdom, our understanding. Lord, I ask that you would cause your favor to rest upon your people. Lord, I pray that you would cause a newness in our hearts, Lord, to stir, that we would desire to be together with the people of God. Lord, not to fill time, but Lord, to encourage one another, and Lord, to see ministry developed, the potential of what you have here, just to explode, that other people would be reached in Jesus' name. Let's all stand together, church. <clears throat> yeah. Hate it when God does this to me. I, you know, you were talking about, well, if it's not good for you this night or good for you that night. Years ago, uh, we had left another church and we're coming here, and I ran into a fellow that was attending the church where I used to go. We were talking, and he was all excited. He said, oh, praise God, we're going to have church on Sunday night. I said, well, why is that? You have sun Sunday morning, Sunday night. Why would you get so excited about Saturday night? He said, well, it's so much more convenient we can come to church on Sunday night and Saturday night and have all day Sunday do what we want to do. And I looked at him and I said, well, I wonder how convenient it was for Jesus to hang on the cross. You might want to stop and think about that. How convenient was it for Christ to hang on the cross? You know, well, I want to watch the game. I want to go do this. I want to go do that. But it's so convenient for Saturday night church. 
But you know, we, begin, we were to put God where he needs to be, and that's up here. Not down here someplace in the place of convenience, but up at the, at the very top where he belongs because he died for us, and it certainly wasn't convenient for him. Jesus. God loves you, church. He wants that love to be in our hearts. As, hold on, Mark, I'm sorry. He wants that love in our hearts, church, for one another. Just to say, God, there was nothing convenient about what you did when you came to that cross, Lord, but Jesus, we want to become the people of God that you've called us to become, Lord. Lord, we could be filled with our busyness. We could be filled with our troubles. We could be filled, Lord, with our um, discontent. Well, I don't like the way this is or that is. Well, Lord, we could realize that, Jesus, you've purchased your church, not just this building, not even the building, but the people. Lord, you've purchased us with your blood. There is something very special about the church, the people that you've called Lord, that I share with friends often, we'll be friends forever. These are the people that we will spend eternity with. Lord, I pray that you would stir the hearts of your people to lay aside every inconvenience, to lay aside every quarrel, to lay aside every discontent. And Lord, that you would baptize your church with your love and your fervency once again. In Jesus' name. If you need Jesus this morning, church, I want to offer the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ. You heard many people raise their hand and say what Jesus had saved them from. If you need to be saved this morning, God's call of salvation is open. These altars will be open, and we will pray with you. I can't pray you into heaven. How does a person get saved? A person is saved by confessing with their mouth the Lord Jesus, believing that God raised him from the dead and that he's coming again, confessing your sins, repenting of them, and putting your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. If you need salvation, these prayers will be open. These altars will be open for prayer. Lord, as we dismiss from this sanctuary, Lord, I pray that you would just lead us, guide us, direct us. And Lord, not to beat a drum, but Lord, I pray that you would stir our hearts to be together as the family of God, in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, church. If you need prayer for anything uh, additionally, we'd love the opportunity to pray for you. Have a good afternoon, and please greet one another before you leave and love on each other, and we will hope to see you Wednesday night at 6 p.m. God bless you.